Well, good morning, everyone. It's lovely to uh, see you here, whether you're intending to be uh, both here and over at the uh, combined church service in an hour's time over at St. Albans, or whether you're just here for this morning. Um, It's our vision Sunday today, and um, a great time to have a vision uh, given all that's going on in the life of the country at the moment. Uh, Every now and then I pause and and look back on things that have happened. It's often because I'm having to fill in some form for the diocese or something else saying, what's gone on in the last year? We now live in an era of appraisals, don't we? <laughs> I had one week this year where I was appraised by three different sets of people all within, <laughs> within 24 hours. It was an extraordinary thing. But taking the time to look back and go, this is what God's done, is so important for us as we, A, try and stand in the place we are, and B, look forward to what God's going to do. So if you'll bear with me, we'll pray, and then we'll look at the passage and try and use it to tease out some of the things that God might be saying for us today. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for an extraordinary week here last week as we looked towards Easter, as we washed feet, as we sat at the foot of your cross, as we baptized people on Easter Sunday. Thank you for your amazing provision over this past year, for the financial and personnel, for the volunteering, for the buildings, for each person's life that you've touched and changed. Thank you. And please be with us here this morning and give us grace to hear from you afresh. In Jesus' name. Amen. I wonder if you know Ian White, our facilities manager. Have you come across Ian? He's the uh, guy behind the scenes doing all the wonderful jobs um, most of the time. And he uh, often pauses and says to me, Richard, is what we're doing here biblical? Um, Which is a fascinating question, isn't it? Because you can answer it in so many different ways. But one of the things that struck me as I listened to the passage in Joshua this week being read on Nicola's Bible in a Year app as she was having it on in the kitchen was that actually part of our story is the same story the people of God are always having. And along the way, you have different choices to make. Let's go back into ancient history. The people of Israel are slaves in Egypt. They're stuck. There's a place that God wants them to get to, and they can't get there on their own. God does an intervention through uh, a coward called Moses. Moses stands up and says, let my people go, initially for a spokesman, because he can't do it himself. And eventually the people leave Egypt after God's delivered them in powerful ways through the Red Sea, They start out on a journey. It should not take them more than a few weeks to get to where they need to get to, to the promised land. Um, But at this point, they grumble, they argue, they moan, they complain, and they stay stuck in the desert for a whole generation, which is 40 years, until that whole generation's passed away. While they're in the desert, however, God provides for them through their leader and provides them with manna, which is bread from heaven, and quail, which is uh, sort of meat from heaven. And they have what they need. And then finally, they get into the land that has been promised to them. They walk into there. God has 
not allowed them into that land until a certain time has come up in history, until uh, effectively his offense against the people who are doing child sacrifices and other things there has, has risen up to a certain level. They walk into the land, and he uh, prepares the way for them. And when they get into that land, they have to consecrate themselves, say, we will be a holy people for a holy God, uh, which they do through this horrific act of circumcision, which is now thankfully replaced by a bit of sprinkling of water. <laughs> uh, and then the bread from heaven and the meat from heaven stops. And they live off the harvest of the land, which presumably someone else has labored for in that first year. And from there on, they have to labor for the harvest in the land themselves. One of the uh, sort of misunderstood things about Christian theology is what happens after death. Uh, on popular sort of theology, you sit on a cloud with a, with a harp going twin, twin, twin for eternity, or it sounds dull as anything, doesn't it? <laughs> and we were designed to work. We were, we were given an ability and a capacity to work, to get things done. Uh, we, we have a passion for doing things and achieving things. When I look around our congregations here at Christchurch, I see uh, more than an average passion for getting on with things and doing things and achieving things. It's an extraordinary level of energy that our, our 80-somethings, our 90-somethings have, let alone the 50-somethings. By the time you're down to the 30-somethings, it's diminished a bit. There's <laughs> amazing energy that people have for work. I, I, one of the things that God wanted the people to do in the Promised Land was to to work and provide for themselves. One of the things he wanted in creation was for us to work, to rule the earth. And one of the things that he'll want us to do in the new creation is to work and live out our potential in different ways, in fulfilling ways, in life-giving ways in the, in the new creation. Now here in the promised land, the manna's going to stop, the quail's going to stop, and they're going to have to work the land flowing with milk and honey, and learn to provide for themselves in this place of promise. And I want to suggest that the journey we've been on is not unlike the Israelites, but I, I want to say without the horrible 40 years of complaining in the middle. It's been an extraordinary journey to have been your vicar on, and thank you for your indulgence with us. A while ago, we heard the call, did we not, uh, collectively? In fact, at my very first APCM, here. I said, oh, there's an empty building over there. I wonder if God will want us to do anything with that. Said it the same the next year. And then uh, the year after that, suddenly the diocese was saying, would you like to get involved in that building? Uh, and we talked to the staff team and we talked, remember we had that phenomenal staff team influx that all came in at the same time with Emily and Tim and Lydia and Tom and, and the others, an incredible group of people coming in and Kia as curate. Um, and, and God sort of gave us that, yeah, let's, let's have a go at this. Let's go and do this. And so we set out, and God gave us divine provision along the way. We had a gift of £120,000. I don't know about you, but um, I, I have a brother who works in the charity sector. He says, this doesn't happen very often. <laughs> doesn't happen very often in, in church life. And we, we then asked people if uh, they would be prepared to give as well, and we asked for £460,000 total. And the full amount that we asked for 
miraculously and generously has come in over, over time. Over this last year, Peter Williams, our, our church warden, who hopefully will be re-elected at the APCM on Tuesday night. At the moment, he's unopposed, so it's a good chance he's going to be re-elected. <laughs> is, um, said that this year is going to be a year where we have manna-like provision. So in January 2016, I wrote to the bishop and the archdeacon and the diocesan secretary, uh, the London Diocese, and said, look, at the going rate, we may not be able to pay the full amount that we're supposed to pay to you. Um, at the end of the year. The sums just don't work out. We've started out on the project at St. Albans, uh, and the cost will just keep going up and up and up because the building that you gave us is in worse condition than you thought it was. (laughs) And as we explore it, there's more and more work to do. And yet, at every step of the journey over this last year, finances, resource, and money has come in. Um, John Mullaney's done 10 years as treasurer now, bless him. Um, but I, <laughs> and he would love to retire, so if anyone would like to take it on, then, uh, then uh, do, do, do stand up. Um, but along these last five years, since uh, I've, I've watched John go from going, we're going to have to be tighter on the purse, purse strings, we're going to be tighter, tighter, watch out, watch out, to suddenly, oh, the money seems to be coming in. And then... Oh, yeah, no, don't worry, we'll get this done. Or, or this, sometimes it's like, no, no, I don't know if we're going to... And then it's like, yeah, okay, I, I think we can find our way to this. And when we've stepped out on big ventures of faith, John's always said, look, we just find that God provides through the church family here. It's an extraordinary thing. Isn't it lovely? They say you can't teach a, a young dog new tricks, but, um, but John's... Uh, <laughs> develops in, in this treasure role in an extraordinary way. It's like, oh, there's going to be provision coming. It's been a phenomenal and exciting journey to be on. God's been doing lovely things. That I guess where I think we're getting to now in the development of this church family is really God's taken us to a place of settling. Um, uh, and we've had a period where we've had the manna coming down from heaven. Um, and praying it in. But we get to the stage now where we actually have to work and provide for our needs as we develop and, and work the buildings really well. The, the building here and at St. Albans and at the Mission all have extraordinary potential <laughs> to be worked well and to provide for us and settle us so that we can do the next things that God wants us to do, care for people, look after them. If you come on Tuesday night, which I hope you will, to the, the vision night and APCM and the election of the officials, you'll hear from the Mission Direct Charity. And do you remember in October we took up a collection for Mission Direct at Emily Braybrook's project in Uganda? And we said we'd love to get £30,000 to give to them and another £20,000 for two other projects across the developing world. And that full money came in. And not only that, we also were able to give £7,500 at Christmas. Uh, to Mission Direct for Emily for her uh, off-road vehicle, which she's now got. So she can go around helping all those orphaned children uh, with disabilities around Uganda. Isn't it wonderful to get to that place where we can be really outward-looking, not just inward-looking? And I think the time has come for us to have that sort of settledness of regular income, of regular giving, where we're not just hand-to-mouth, can we get this, can we get this, but saying, actually, we're a mission base. We're a mission base to reach 
the local area of Chiswick and Acton and Ealing and Hammersmith and Kew and Twickenham and all the local areas around us in Brentford. But we're also a mission base to reach across London and reach right across the world. We're in an extraordinarily privileged position where we are here. And the amount of impact that we can have in a needy world is, is limited by nothing other than our imagination and the people that God keeps bringing in and out of the building. One of our big pictures at St. Albans is of it being a beating heart. I love the image. A heart sort of beats in, draws in the deoxygenated blood. Forgive me if my biology is a bit off here. Uh, and then oxygenates it and pumps it out to areas where it's needed. And that is our heart and our longing, that with that building, with our whole church life, when we gather together in our congregations, in the groups that we've been launching, hopefully you've seen those on the table outside, places you can get oxygenated midweek, that then the life is pumped out into our life places, into our workplaces, into our homes, into the meeting place cafe, throughout everyone who interacts in the building. I had a day the other day where I just had this nudge on the way in to try and supervise our, our troublesome curate at the back there. Um, that I, that I should go to the, uh, the bakery over the road. Some of you don't know if I'm joking about that. <laughs> I was on my way to supervise our wonderful curate at the back there. <laughs> um, but I should pop into the, to the, uh, the bakery over the road uh, for a coffee. So I picked up a coffee. Uh, and as I was there, a lady stopped me and said... Um, uh, I saw you at the school Christmas concert that we held at St. Albans. We had uh, 750 people in the building. It's amazing. And and I've been meaning to ask you about Christianity. Could I come and talk to you about Christianity? I've adopted a girl who's from the uh, Middle East, who's a a Christian heritage. Um, And I don't know much about her faith, and I'd love to be able to talk to her about her faith. So can I come and talk to you? Later in the afternoon, I was down at Kew Gardens with uh, school uh, families, and it was the, the end of the school term. And we, um, I was sitting there, and there was this nanny just chatting to me, saying, now, I came along to your church once, so we got this really troublesome dog, so we can't actually leave it on alone. But we had such a lovely welcome when we came to your church. I'd just love to be able to come more often. And she just chatted away about God and Jesus and her faith. And you see, behind closed doors and walking along the high roads all the time are people on amazing adventures of discovery and journey with faith. True atheism is, is very, very rare. If you don't believe me, walk into a hospice. <laughs> very rare. Most people are desperately looking for something worth living for. Jesus called it a pearl of great price. So he said, if you want the thing worth living for, you have to be prepared to give up some of the other things you're holding on to. (laughs) Because you can't have my stuff when your hands are full of your stuff. You've got to get rid of some of the things in your hands so that you can have the things in my hands. And that, of course, is where this period that we're looking at money over the next few weeks in the church's life is so helpful to us in our spiritual journey. You uh, may have picked up the term card, and we're looking at Justin Welby's book, Dethroning Mammon. Mammon, in Bible terms, is 
is the God of materialism. How do we dethrone a God of materialism in West London? If there's any God sitting squarely on their throne, surely it's, it's mammon, more so than Christ, perhaps. How do we dethrone it? And the answer is just by carefully examining what we do with our, our time, energy, and money. Where your treasure is, there is your heart. Where your treasure is, there is your heart. Where, where is our heart? Let's examine it. And that's what we'll be doing over the next few weeks. It's a wonderful spiritual detox exercise to think about our, our money. Is my hands full of me, 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 my worries, concerns? Or is it open and ready to have more of Jesus? And some of the, uh, the needs and um, opportunities that we have here in the church in terms of settling and becoming that place of stability um, I laid out here on this uh, beautifully organized leaflet for which we must thank uh, Ruth Newton-Jones, Nikki Lovell, uh, Mark Prentice in the office, and Mike Tufnell for their visual aid. Um, and I wrote a sort of draft of this some time ago, and uh, that, that's where they've got us down to. But do, do have a read for that, and will be opportunities to give over the next coming weeks in uh, six different ways. Maybe your giving is just in being here, uh, loving and praying and serving. But it might be that you can give either a retrospective gift, a regular gift, an increase of giving, uh, a gift as a legacy in a will. We, we still have two more years where we have this extraordinary grace that Betty Smith gave to the church, which has enabled us to have a curate and to have uh, Nicola in her role as an associate vicar. There's two more years left of of that finances, and then that, that money goes. Um, last year, we had £20,000 from the diocese to support Mike Tufnell in his role this year. We have a three-year period where we have money towards a youth worker, um, which is staggered and, and goes down. We've actually just put in a bid to let St. Albans become an amazing centre for, for uh, youth ministry, um, and there'll be a little bit of money attached to that for uh, to help with increasing Zoe's uh, work to full-time and, and paying for an intern. There's all sorts of different things that may come up in the future. But wouldn't it be lovely if, in a considered and careful way, we reflected on what's in our hands, uh, what we can give to the Lord for his work, uh, and what space we're making in our hearts and in our lives for him to give back to us as well. So when our hands aren't crowded, space is there. I'll tell you one story and I'll finish. I was uh, considerably worrying the other day and I found that being a vicar is, uh, is a job that fuels worry even as, as much as you preach against it. <laughs> Jesus saying, do not worry, is in itself quite difficult. <laughs> and I was worrying and um, I was walking to our gym, which I signed up for um, and have since acquired various injuries that keep me from going there. Um, so you can pray for that. And uh, I was worrying about personal uh, family finances and worrying about church finances going forward, despite all the incredible provision I can look back on and say God's provided for us and for the church family. And I took, again, that sort of, I had a nudge to walk a, a longer way around, walked over a little bridge, and there on the floor uh, was a wet uh, £10 note. And I, it just felt like God saying, look, Richard, um, 
Uh, 10 pounds won't solve the problems in either cases, but here's just a sign that I can provide for you. And just a couple of weeks later, um, something came along and it's like a far bigger sign that God could provide as well. It's, it's a wonderful thing to walk hand in hand with God. It's an adventure. It's a journey. I really want to commend this church family and particularly the PCC and the treasurer and others who've been involved in decision making that we've never got stuck in the desert on grumbling zone. We've never been stuck going, oh, I wish we were back in Egypt. We've never been stuck. We've walked on hand in hand with God in an extraordinary and I think a way that shows the power of God at work in a community of faith. And I'm just so pleased to have been able to be vicar during this season in the church's life. As we walk on now, let's walk hand in hand with God, full of faith, full of hope, full of expectation that he will provide. But let's get involved ourselves and make sure our hands are open enough that there's space for him to give to us, even as we give to him. May God bless his word to us today. And, uh, and may God bless us as a whole church family this week as we gather in the service in a moment across the road and as we gather back here on Tuesday evening at 7.30 for our vision night and for everything that will happen there. In Jesus' name, amen.